Welcome back to another episode of the Main Quest Podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast that takes liberties in reinventing your favorite anti-hero by inserting dual-wielding katanas inside of their forearms. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I have a very exciting episode coming up for you guys. I had both Luke and Alex from Low 5 Gaming join me today on the podcast, but before we get into the episode proper, I have to give credit to the people that keep this show going, keep this show running, and that is the patrons. And if you would like to become a patron and support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the main quest. And you can also find that link as well as other links for the podcast in the show notes, of course. And aside from getting shout outs, uh, you can get a ton of other stuff. I mean, this month alone, I'm giving out three bonus episodes. You've got Alien Hominid. You got a full blown main quest episode on Hogwarts Legacy. And you'll get access to the main quest matinee, which is also hosted by Ryan from List Off. You, you might have heard of that guy before if you're a fan of the show. And we're talking about one of the trashiest video game movie adaptations directed by a uh, pyramid scheme scam artist Uwe Boll. Yes, of course, it is House of the Dead. So you can get access to all of that stuff, along with the Discord server, along with getting special draws for Listener Request Month when that happens next year, and up to including literally telling me to play whatever you want me to play. And then... Of course, also the back catalog of everything that has come out since the Patreon started, of course. There's tons of great episodes that are already in the backlog there. So again, that is patreon.com forward slash the main quest. And the patrons that I have to shout out here specifically are David Palafox, Kayla Jackson, Eric Guess, Ashton, Chris Copeland, Zero Sam, and Van Fernal. Thank you guys so much. I could have never imagined anybody throwing money at this thing and supporting it uh, financially. It's it's a crazy thought to me. And hey, if you don't want to support the show financially, that's great too. Just share the stuff on social media. Let people know that you're listening to the show. Uh, but yeah, thank you, patrons. Really appreciate it. And today we're talking X-Men 2 colon The Clone Wars, which is coming hot off of last year's X-Men episode. This was apparently a sequel to that. I had no idea until I started doing research uh, for this episode in question. And of course, again, I have Luke and Alex from the Mighty Low Five Gaming. A couple of guys that I've been talking to for a while now have been incredibly interested in their show as well. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts that, well, that I used to listen to, and Low 5 Gaming was among them. Not that they did anything that made me stop listening, it's just I don't have time to listen to podcasts that often, not as often as I used to. And so, luckily, they release an episode like every month, so there's usually room to fit them in because they're not dropping something every single week. Uh, but yeah, these guys are really awesome. It's been a long time coming, and so this is kind of a longer episode. And I don't think I need to draw this out any longer than I actually need to. So let's jump into it. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Strap up.
So I feel like it's been a long time coming. You guys have been on the Game of the Year podcast. And I would like to formally welcome to the show a, a pair of retro gaming mutants who have the power of podcasting symbiosis. <laughs> it is the uncanny but charming duo, Alex and Luke of Low Five Gaming. Welcome to the show, you guys. Hey, what's up, Ben? It's cool to be here for the crossover of the year. Hell yeah, preemptive. <laughs> I would also like to state that uh, Alex is the uh, Cyclops of this team, and I am the Wolverine, a.k.a. I'm cool, and Al's just kind of a boner. Uh, we may continue. What? I mean... I didn't know where that was going to go when you said Cyclops, and then you said boner, and now it just kind of brings it all together. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> like, he's more mature, you know, calculated, where, uh, you know, but kind of a boner. So there we go. It's a natural leader, you know, <laughs> charming, beautiful. <laughs> well, if things. the audience can't tell already, you guys are definitely brothers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So are we on, are we on camera? <laughs> so more than ever, because, you know, I have an older brother. Uh, I don't know how far apart you guys are, but my brother and I are about 10 years apart. Uh, so growing up, gaming was different depending on whose perspective you ask. So I'd like to know what it was like. Growing up in your house, uh, playing video games. You want to kick it off? Oh, I'll definitely kick it off. Uh, we're a six-year age gap, so a lot of the games, like when it comes to like the Sega, Alex might have some memory as to how they came, but for me, it was just like these are the games that every household probably has because they're in the candy box that you get for selling candy bars. And I always like to tell people that Alex would not let me use his guide for Final Fantasy X because <laughs> he didn't want... He was jealous that I had more time to play it and he didn't want me to beat it before him. And for some reason, I was so afraid of him that I respected his do not look at my guide rule even when he was at practice. So, Bro, don't pretend like you could read. <laughs> <laughs> the reading level was also a little bit above my pay grade at the time. Yeah, yeah. kind of like what Luke was saying. I'm six years difference. So uh, our parents actually didn't really, they were not keen on having uh, video games in the household for the longest time. And then different neighborhood friends would help us break down those barriers a little bit by either letting us borrow their equipment or passing down like some of their older, older systems that they weren't using anymore. Or perhaps they came across like a duplicate Sega Genesis or something. Uh, they didn't need both. So the Sega Genesis and the NES is what broke into our, our household as the first systems that we had, uh, which is cool to be talking about the game we're talking about today because that is uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to, to jump on this one with you because we do have some some history with it. But yeah, then the NES, for whatever reason, like got <laughs> returned to the person who gave it to us. And then eventually it was, I was want to say, it was my uh 13th birthday my parents halved me on a uh Funko land used nintendo 64 and uh that was that was the beginning of the the beginning of what we have today i guess where both of us are pretty obsessed with our games a lot of sports rivalries between us those types of games where we go back and forth as to who was better before i overtook him but then to this day if we pick up like a mortal Kombat or anything i just get my ass like wiped so fast Yes, it's I, it's humiliating. I still hold yeah. on to that piece of pride, but when yeah. it comes to like Madden, 2K, that kind of shit, uh, I can give it to Luke. Yeah, <laughs> took that one, but the fighting games just. Whew. What are some of your more like I guess uh, formative memories playing video games back back in the day? Well, there was like I said, the chocolate box of Sega games, so I loved those. X Men Two is definitely that, and like Spider Man was a Maximum Carnage. 
Yeah. Sonic. Busby. Busby's underrated. Fight me. Anyone on the internet, if you so please. Uh, <laughs> so from that generation, I really got like stuck to those. And then the Nintendo 64 were both pretty big Zelda stands, um, pretty aggressively so. But the first game that was ever like my game, it's like Ratchet and Clank for the PS2. Yeah, early on, I mean, Ocarina of Time, definitely, I mean, that's an all-time goat for me. Uh, I love Tetris. That's one that I'll throw out there for Luke. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Best video game of all time. Uh, some, some might say. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, some other ones that I really enjoyed. I used to really love flight simulators, like crunchy, oh like DOS flight simulators. <laughs> this so is torture like, now. Yeah. If we go back Aaron. to looking over the shoulder, I'd beg for him <laughs> not to play that game. And he'd be like, it's cool, dude. And I'm like, this game sucks. Check out this radar. <laughs> dope. <laughs> it's pretty, dude. It was so bad. Uh, yeah, but then Pebble Beach Golf, <laughs> also <laughs> hated. One that Luke just loved. Uh, you know, these are these are half jokes, but at the same time, like I did pour a lot of time into some of these games. Probably awesome games, just awful for a <laughs> six year old to watch. Yeah. And then I, there's always like you know the Mario. Like who, I can't even I can't even for sure tell you like when the original you know Super Mario Brothers like made it into my life. Uh, just via like friends or family's houses, that type of thing. Like it's, you know, I think we're all of us are kind of of an age where video games, uh, you know, they've been they've been there, and it's kind of sometimes hard to pinpoint exactly when they started. You know, sure. So, do you guys have a favorite game of all time? Yeah, for me, we did. A, we actually did an episode a while back where Luke finally, because we have an ongoing bit where, like, if I like a game, I'll be like, "This top ten for sure." Like, oh, this is great. And then Luke's like, "How many top tens can you yeah, have?" He got pretty bloated, pretty <laughs> shamelessly so. Uh, so we did narrow it down, and, well, and number one, them all together. spoilers. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Ocarina of Time for me. Yeah, um, he left Breath of the Wild off entirely, so I was very offended by that. That would probably still remain my top one, but when I saw. When I saw it, you were going to ask this one. I was like, I want to get a little weird and answer something just a little different. And I, I just say Cities Skylines is something that I think I left off my list for some silly reason. I might have thought a little too hard on it. Yeah. But uh, it's a game I probably still think about when I'm not playing it the most, you know, where it's just like living in your mind for a while. And like I just saw some cover art for Skylines 2 coming out soon, and I'm, I'm thirsty. Age of Empires is pretty definitive, I would say, in both of our, our gaming histories as well. Oh, yeah. A lot of time into the... AOE one and two, and you did probably more three than I did, but did a bunch of three, yeah, uh, yeah, and I loved like um, NCAA football. It's another one that's coming back soon. So I watched that Johnny Manziel doc recently, and I was like, that's when the last NCAA football. He was a character in the game that was super fun to play as, and I was like, God, they need to bring that game back, which it is coming back next year. But it's been a long time. It's been Big a long skins time. And cocaine. What was that? <laughs> Pig skins and cocaine. Okay, word. <laughs> so let's yeah, say and another one. I oh, <laughs> looks ready to just you go. go. Yeah, <laughs> no, go ahead now. It's like I wouldn't put it on my top ten, but it's a game that I kind of miss playing, and it's small enough where I want to shout it out. Have you ever heard of Going Medieval? No, man, it's weird. You, <laughs> you start <laughs> off with like a few little villagers, and it's like uh, there's a. You've heard of RimWorld? I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah, I heard it's like a RimWorld clone, but it's like a little bit more 3D and uh, medieval. But you like build up this little settlement, and all your people have these different personality traits and quirks, and you like have to fend off raiders, and you're slowly building yourself up. And it's it's pretty rad, and uh, it's a small little game, and I just think it's really cool. So I wanted to mention that one too. I've never had the capacity to pay attention to games like those for a long enough time. 
even like Roller Coaster Tycoon, which I fucking love Roller Coaster Tycoon. Play it for like an hour, kill a couple pedestrians or whatever, and be like, all right, I'm over it. <laughs> get your get your inner menace out. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first five hours of those games are always hell, and then they turn into time traveling devices where you have no idea where any of your time has gone because mm. you're just you're just in the zone. So I think that's I, you. I think that's it too. So the beginning is disorienting with all the different systems. It's pretty brutal. As someone who loves that style of game, I, I struggle to start new ones because mm. of that. So let's kind of segue into the game of the week. What is your history with the X-Men franchise as a whole? Where did you stumble upon it? Was it like the TV shows, the comics? Yeah, for, I'll, I'll kick us off. And I guess for me, I mean, X-Men is another thing that's just always kind of been there. So, but like, we didn't have cable either. <laughs> it's like sad. <laughs> we didn't have a side childhood, but it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. We didn't have a couch in the living room. We sure as hell no, we didn't have no fucking cable. <laughs> right. But uh, so we weren't watching, you know, we definitely didn't watch the, the X-Men, the 90s show when it was coming out or like even shortly after. But it was one of those things where you'd see, I'd see some episodes at friends' houses. Uh, you know, I'd get a hold of uh, like an X-Men comic very sparingly. Um but they were still cool, you know, and then uh, it wasn't until I actually went to college and you've got like the big old land networks and everything and everybody's passing files around uh, where I ended up getting enti- the entirety of that series. And I watched all of it uh, in college and really, we really watched enjoyed most of those that. together, actually. What's that? We watched most of those together when you're back home, actually. Yep. Yep, so, yep. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, like I've continued and then this game, actually. So X-Men 2 for the Sega Genesis. It's one of the games that, like, I have a, I have a pretty, you know, I have a pretty beefy Sega collection these days without any dupes. But this game, it's the, it's the only dupes that I have. So there's only, I have two copies of this game for some reason, and I, and I, I don't plan on selling the other one because it has a special, uh, special little spot in my heart. And it's, uh, would you say that one copy of the game is a clone of the other? Yeah, <laughs> and it's Sorry. ingrained in my DNA. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> giving me power. <laughs> but it's cool. It's like when we got that. Uh, I think it was one of the games that kind of came along with the Sega Genesis when we uh, when that made it into our house. So this game, it's one of the first games that uh, you know that we have a lot of time and uh, history playing with. Yeah, for me, it sounds kind of heady, but like I don't actually know where X Men started. It's probably with this game and the other X Men game we had on the Sega. Um, but the movies, um, uh, yeah. the original trilogy came out when I was like a kid. So like I had the action figures and stuff like I was deep into X-Men and somewhere in that range. I also used to bike down to Schinders, uh, with my lawn mowing money, R.I.P. rest in peace. Yeah. And, uh, so I'd like go into the bin, little bargain bin. Cause as a kid, I didn't even know that comics like <laughs> had a fluid. Sorry. I just would pick out the really cool cover art. And occasionally I'd get some that actually went together, but like I did read a lot of X-Men comics. Uh, and then once again, the movies were so cool. Action figures were so cool. So I was pretty, pretty deep into it right off the bat. Yeah. Um, I'll do a little plug for, uh, house of X and powers of X are a couple X. It's like the, um, you know, they're, they're still making comics today, obviously. And that's a, that's a series that's well worth jumping into. It's some of the best comics I've ever read actually. Um, so if anyone is uh, curious to, you know, get into little X-Men comics, start with house and powers of X. It's so good. Yeah. It's my brother was a huge comic book collector. When we were little, he would have boxes and boxes of comics. It also didn't help that his friend worked at a comic book store and then eventually bought it and ran it himself. So, right on. But I would go through my brother's comics and kind of like Luke, I'd be looking at the covers and just pick like the coolest looking cover. And my brother had a ton of Spawn comics and those were always like 
the most violent looking yeah. <laughs> comic book covers. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to read this. And then I'd read it and be like, I have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah, right. You saw a bunch of 90s Jean Grey and Psylocke. And you're like, look at all that side boob. Let me read. All yeah, that. hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luke actually got into collecting the comic books more than I did, which was kind of fun for me. So it's, you know, a lot of our history, you know, like just being the big brother, Luke would do kind of do something similar to what you're describing, Keith. But then this for me was a time that I was able to kind of poke around his collection, and check out stuff. And I, you're a pretty young man, but you got like some omnibuses of um, some of the 90s. Oh, comics. yeah. Or no, those are like the original like sixties ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I would collect in college. I was collecting actual series. So Savage Wolverine was one that I borrowed to you. Yep, that was really cool. And like Wolverine's really old. So you know, they covered different like historical periods too. They had like these different mini runs in it. Where first it was like he was in the Savage Lands for a run, but then they did one where he was like it was like Prohibition era. So he was in like Canada and Minnesota and stuff. And I that was really cool. It was a fun fun little run there. So. A lot of, lot of background with the X-Men, but not, not in your upper tier of uh, X-Fans, but definitely definitely a lot of history there. Yeah, X-Men 2, the game, was a, uh, a rental for me. I talked about on the uh, first episode, or well, for the, for the first game, that uh, my friend and I were playing it, and I never liked it as a kid. I could not fucking get into that game. What? And then I played it for the show, and I'm like, this is probably why I couldn't get into it, because it really kind of sucks. And so I just never, I don't know what it was, but I never realized that this was like a direct sequel to that, I guess. And so we played, and it was just, just one of those things like, oh, it's just another X-Men game, you know, and we would play it. And I remember liking this better than the first game. And we played it, we played both of them co-op, but this one, like, felt like we could actually like make a little bit of progress whereas in the first game like we really weren't getting anywhere past that jungle stage or whatever i think you can choose oh i think you can choose the stages in the first game if i remember right yeah there's almost like a little overworld thing where you like enter a portal or something yeah that sends you to the different areas yeah but yeah this one this one seemed a little bit on the easier side that's nah, not what i'm trying to say it was easier <laughs> than the first one right. but easier in like quotations <laughs> yeah this game um, is grueling dude i love yeah. this game but it's tough <laughs> well you guys got to play uh a little bit of couch co-op right we did yeah so like in, yeah in preparation for the recording we uh we got together last week and we tried to plod through as much as we could with honor without any cheats <laughs> and it's fun man it's like it's um you know, it's the this it's it's one of those things. Though, it's an older game. It did some things at the time that we kind of just don't think about today. But the whole like dropping your character into the first level without a title screen or anything, without giving the opportunity to choose your character, was kind of unique. And uh, so, like, if you start two player co op, I mean, you'll start with one player, you press start, the next person will start. It's kind of a random player for that first level. And uh, it was a lot of fun, man. We had a good little run through. It is it is funny though. I also did some you know solo playing. Uh, and like to do this to do the couch co-op like the the camera has a little bit of trouble like mm. you pretty much have to let someone lead which isn't abnormal of games like this but it's we were a little out of practice on that type of gameplay when you're escaping <laughs> i do have complaints about the camera in in single player as well there's some weird camera decisions if you want to call it a camera it's not really a, a camera but <laughs> for lack yeah, of a so better term would you 
So what would you classify this? Is this like an action platformer? Because it's not quite a beat-em-up. So according to uh, my deep, deep research, uh, <laughs> X-Men 2 The Clone Wars is a platformer. As far as, you know, I got to... So I don't want to talk about the gameplay just yet, but you really have to meet the game on its terms to get anywhere in this game yeah (laughs) which means you have to be cheap as cheap as the fucking game is (laughs) no totally running to the edge then running back to the middle so you know what's gonna pop at you (laughs) or just like very lightly tap on the d-pad so you can see what's coming up up ahead before the the ai is even triggered yeah let's let's get into the development history here which is actually going to be pretty brief Again, yeah, this is a platformer. It was developed by Head Games and published by Sega. And that's kind of it. Like, there's not a lot of a lot of stuff out there about the development of this game. The one thing I did do, which I did for the first game, was that I reached out to the developer of the game, Ed Annunziana. I reached out to him on Twitter last year about x-men and was like hey uh, if you've got any little bits of trivia or what it was like to work on x-men let me know and he left me on red of course he did (laughs) and then i reached out to him again uh knowing that i was going to be sitting down talking to you guys hey you know you didn't answer me the first time but fuck it i'm just gonna shoot this message your way i'm I'm talking about your other game uh so if you want to hit me up and let me know what it was like and uh he followed me he did follow me on Twitter and still left me on red. And then for the upcoming section here, Retro Recollections, when I uh, asked people to give me their experiences with this game so I could read them on the show, Ed Annunziata commented on the post and basically trolled me and was like, yeah, I kind of have some experience with this game. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> what was that like? And he was like, man, that starting screen. <laughs> I'm like... All right. (laughs) So he's just uh, he's having a good time, I think. He's waiting for your episode to get a a true read on how you feel about his game. Well, I think he listened to the first episode and was like, fuck this guy. (laughs) Hey, I think he would have known that his uh, the first one needed a little love. Like it's it's not a secret that this game is uh by the community it's um it's been embraced a little bit more than that first game for sure well it's, it's obvious he learned from that first game like this is not as broken as that first game was right to be fair i actually kind of liked the first game too <laughs> yeah i mean they're dope <laughs> there's different characters you could be and it's just like your guy was just so tiny yeah so i feel like they did learn to get closer in and it did feel like you were constantly about to die in the first game but as a kid and you only have so many games to play i did kind of like it yeah yeah i think the interesting part about this is that between the first game and this game annunciata changed studios so i'm kind of interested in like why he was the only returning developer and why they switched studios and i know like the industry was kind of unstable back then i it still is right um 
but yeah, I mean, a lot can happen in two years. It's just interesting that I think, uh, what is it? Western technologies developed the first game and then this game is head games. So I kind of wonder if there, somebody bought someone out or whatever and head games wasn't around for much longer either. As for the release date, X-Men 2, The Clone Wars was released on May 15th, 1995 in the US for the Sega Genesis. And there's an ambiguous release date of just 1995 for the PAL territories. And it has not been ported or re-released on anything since it came out. A follow-up to the game called X-Women, colon, The Sinister Virus, was developed by a, a development team called Clockwork Tortoise and was canceled before uh, its January 1997 release date. And the reason why it was canceled, who knows? But also Clockwork Tortoise, it didn't look like they they were around for very long, so I guess they were kind of just floating shell down or floating, floating shell up. Do turtles float when they die? <laughs> I don't know. Review scores for some context here, since we are not professionals. GameSpot gave X-Men 2 a 1.5 out of 5. Oof, brutal. Next Generation gave it a 2 out of 5. EGM gave it a 6.8. It's very specific. Out of 10. Very. It has a 70% on game rankings. And the user Sunshine on Amazon gave it a 5 <laughs> out of 5. Perfect. Also stating... Quote, my son is such a big kid, can't get enough of his video games, has the friends all come over to play, end quote. Oh. It's a ringing endorsement, if it's you ask me. Wholesome five out of five right yeah. there. Incredibly wholesome. Some yeah. say the internet's a toxic place, dude. Maybe it's not. What they, what they missed is my 36-year-old son is such a big <laughs> kid. Can't get <laughs> The fact you're 36 and you have friends coming over to play, that's... That says a lot, actually. It's a dream right there. Okay. <laughs> right. Still hanging with the boys? <laughs> uh, I'm surprised that these uh, some lower ratings. I would have figured they'd be a little higher, to be honest. Yeah. If you look at the, you know, I've poked around the discourse a little bit on this, and people, you know, we'll get probably get into this more later, but people can be pretty cold on it because they're, it's difficult, but it's also, like, not super difficult. It's not, you know, it's a little bit more... Um, inviting than the first and uh, but it's still pretty hard like I was saying when we did that co-op deal we ended up uh, throwing on the game genie <laughs> for some invincibility mm-hmm. after a while because we're, like, we're not going to get this done today uh, but it is one that people have figured out and there's a lot of folks on the internet that talk about finding out all the patterns figuring out what to do and that's kind of how you approach video games 20 years ago you know so we live in a different world now but these types of platform action platformers like you know, if you have the time to put in and it's a very rewarding one for like the folks that, you know, that are talking about this on the Internet, you can tell that there's a lot of love for it. And they uh, so yeah. I'm surprised to see these scores a little lower than I thought. Yeah, they really are all over the place. I kind of expected them to be a little more in the middle because I, as we get later and later into video game design by 1995, like this kind of stuff was starting to shift away from like the whole practice of making a hard game so that it would help the rental market. But Sega is kind of known for having like arcade quality games. 
uh, this is very much this very much plays like something you would probably play in the arcade right this is a quarter eater now i don't know if you guys would agree with me but to me that just doesn't translate well to home console stuff because you already own the game like this is just a little unfair like a, a lot of people a lot of people's only game also was super mario world and that game wasn't difficult it was just very it was much longer than this game is. I would say I always came back to this one, but like the way we were playing games at that time, or me personally, it's like you'd bop around on a game for anywhere from 10 to a half an hour. And then you'd just go back into the chocolate box and see what other goofy Sega game you're playing. So like for the longest time, I never got past level three. And then as I got older and it was fun to kind of slap the cartridge back in and see if I could. And I eventually did, but then it was like, I ended up getting stuck eventually somewhere. Right. But like, you know, the first few levels are good enough where, like, I was always pretty happy to do that for a half an hour before just quitting and moving on to something else. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> it was definitely, um, you know, the, like you say, the first two levels are, even if you played them a bunch of time, it's fun to jump back in there. The, um, you know, as I played through this one for the for this pod, I kind of realized, I was like, I've never made it this far before. <laughs> and, you know, I have such fond memories of this game. And I was like, I don't actually know how much I've, like, I mean, I've definitely put time into this game, but how much of that time is just the first two, three levels? It's probably a good yeah, 90% of that. 90 at least. <laughs> and like the powers of each person were so cool. You could redo it with the different people. I, I always just found that a lot of fun. And it's like Maximum Carnage Spider-Man was one of my other favorites too. I could only get a few levels into that. Yeah. That's my whole experience with these games is that you can play the first few and then the rest is... And it's a beautiful game too. The yeah. way that they've... Tra- like the, the way it looks, like I think it's late. It's a late Sega game. But, um, you know, oh, man, it's beautiful. And it really looks like the 90s X-Men comics. Like, they did a good job of, or, like, even that, um, you know, it's very similar to even the cartoon. You know, they did a good job of translating that onto uh, onto the game. We got a couple more reviews, and we're going to slide into the Retro Recollections section of the show. And first, we're going to hear from Dance. I think it's Dance Toby? Or is it Tauby? I don't know how to say that. Dance Tauby Dance. And they said that I just played this last week after playing X-Men 1. I'd say that X-Men 2 is better than the first. It controlled way better, had more lives, and you were allowed to use your mutant power, your mutant powers way more. Fair. Which, yeah. Fair assessment. And then next is <laughs> the developer of this game himself, Ed Annunziata, says, The moment you turn the power on, the game starts. No Sega logo, no legal screens. And yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, I probably should have read that one last because that would go right into my thoughts about the story here. But the thing I was really interested by is like, yeah, there's no legal screens. Like, how the fuck do you get Pat? Like, what documents do you have to sign where you're like, no, my game is just going to start. Like, I don't want to see your damn logo in front of it. Right. Because you think about modern games, too, like you, you turn out a like a a horizon or something like that. And there's like 17 different logos and like some sort of animation playing. And it's like, all right, man, come on, just get me to that. At least the menu screen. Like, let's go. The new Assassin's Creed games give you the title card about 10 hours into the game. (laughs) (laughs) And the last one we have here is from Sega Genesis fan. It's not going to be a surprise where this is going to go. X-Men 2. Here's my rating for it, and they broke it down. Graphics, five stars. Sound, five stars. Music, five stars. 
Controls, five stars. Fun factor, whatever that means, is only three stars. Mm. <laughs> I, I appreciate the restraint and balance from Sega fan. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, they also say this game has awesome character designs and the actions is awesome. But damn, you will be spending most of the time dying. So maybe that's starting at level three. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we will we'll get into graphics and sound and well, sound and music, I feel like are one in the same, but we'll get into all of that. But just uh, going into our current experience with the game and the, and the story and plot again, like Ed Annunciata stated, the moment you turn the power on, the game starts which threw me for a loop because usually like I'll turn the game on I'll put the controller down for a second. I'll grab my phone, pop open my, my notepad so I can start taking notes and I'll kind of let the, basically the attract mode play out and kind of see like some, cause sometimes games will pop up a screen and be like, Hey, this is what's going on in this game. A little bit of like a cut scene and they'll show some of the gameplay or whatever. And uh, I look up and Wolverine's just getting pulverized by a tank. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. They're like not showing anything. And then all of a sudden he dies. And then you get booted to like this PC screen. And I'm like, what, is, what the fuck is happening? Like, am I, is this the game? <laughs> I was incredibly confused. In the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought that like a demo was playing out or something. But no, the game starts. It's kind of cool. I can't think of any games at this time that did something like this. No, I just think it was it was very unique for this game. That's some things when I was poking around, just reading about it. Like that's you know really, it, it wasn't. It was it's like today, so this happens. You're like whatever. But at the time, I think it was you know it was a big deal for folks. It was a it was a weird thing for for Ed to throw in there. And, and I'm curious now too. Like you bring up the idea of. You know, like what uh, what did he have to do to talk to to Marvel or whoever to figure out, you know, how not to give them credit right at the beginning of the game? Yeah. I also think it's cool that you're just any character. You don't get to pick. It's not always Wolverine. Like from the roster, you can just be any random one. You don't have any choice. Mm-hmm. Are you guys familiar with because I guess this is this entire game is like an ad- adaptation from one of the arcs in the comics. Are you guys familiar with that at all? No, no, no. Okay. no. Basically, that makes sense though. Well, I think the um, the first game wasn't an adaptation of anything, but it sounded like it could have been a comic. I don't remember what the story of the first game was off the top of my head, but I was like, "Yeah, this sounds like a comic book storyline." Sure, why not? Uh, but yeah, this is a, basically a, a direct translation of one of the arcs, which is essentially there's a virus called the Phalanx. And it's spreading all over Earth. It's making evil clones out of everything it touches. For all those, all my Star Trek fans, the phalanx are basically the Borg. It gets out of hand and it spreads into outer space. And this is when I learned that I guess Magneto lives on an asteroid. Is that canon? <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> former, former Holocaust survivor lives on an asteroid. <laughs> He's probably sick of those normies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The the way the, the story is unfolded and it it unfolds basically on this computer monitor, the font is like really hard to read. 
like every time i beat a level or whatever and they give give you a little bit of story i'm like i don't know what any of this says (laughs) Uh, i love i love the music in between but it's not exactly conducive to focused reading it's very like i'm like oh so like like apple 2 vibe really really old school computer i was playing this game well before (laughs) i was playing this game well before i could actually read and especially at a higher level but even going like to it as an adult i hear that music play and i'm like love it when i'm playing the game and picking a character but when i'm trying to read i don't think you could have a worse music going (laughs) yeah no our our sega genesis fam was i was i'm surprised at how how nice they were about i mean the music's not bad but that's there's some of those sound effects are <laughs> i think they're great to be fair uh we used to make the noises as kids all the time but like <laughs> one trying to read and then that tiny script came through and there's a it was all too much sensory overload man kids love that shit though probably sitting there like yeah I did notice the uh, the top of your screen says Cerebro, so you are, uh, does that mean you're prof- prof- Professor X? Maybe Presumably in that moment, thing? I suppose. I'm not really sure yeah. supposed to be, but. I think the show is heading the reflection. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, right. at the yeah. end of the game, That's, which I have, we'll talk about that in a second. I, I just want to say that I like the storytelling from the first game a lot better, where you plop into the level, and then they just have like the text scroll across the top of the screen. Just a little bit of dialogue at the beginning and end of every level. I liked that a lot better than whatever this computer screen is. Because again, the music is annoying. And the the typeface or the font that they use for that computer screen is uh, a little too 1980s for me. It uh it drops on there. It takes a long time because you know if you don't press anything, it will like it will uh, drop the text on you rather slowly. But then if you start tapping through, <laughs> it's like goes too fast and like it'll yep. just like hit the whole screen with stuff. And then it'll be like okay, on to the next bit. And they're like, wait, I wasn't done reading that. Um, and it's pretty like heady, like the, you know this failing story that they got going. It's it's cool that it's weaved in there, and I I um, it makes sense that you say this is an ab- likely an adaptation of of a comic book you know story because the way that you run through the levels and are introduced to different baddies uh specifically the bosses uh it makes a lot of sense because you you start with some of those lower level like more unknown characters but then you you work your way up to you know some of the bigger bigger baddie names throughout the game it is incredibly well written yeah i don't want to like undercut that or anything like that it it is very uh, like you said, it can get pretty heavy. And even at the end of the game, uh, it's very well written. It reads like something really dramatic out of the comic. And I feel like the impact of the story is ruined at the end because I think Luke brought it up. You just see Professor X in the reflection of cere- this Cerebro computer screen. And that's it. Like there's no little cut cut scenes with text or anything like that. Like it's just this static image with all this text. And again, it's a little hard to read. And, um, Oh man. Yeah. I was like, I wish they present to this in some other way. I'll tell you what boys like, so I beat this game using a game genie. (laughs) So I, you know, with an asterisk, but I put enough time into it where (laughs) at the end we, I got that like 
you know, the final text, a little picture of Professor X. So I was like, that's fucking it. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, nope, no picture, no any, no cutscene. Like, it's just good job. You did it. And then it restarts the game. I was like, no, that's <laughs> that is terrible. Like, I didn't like give me give me something more. Nobody was ever intended to actually be able to beat this game. <laughs> right. That's just it. Maybe so like, I wonder. And I was like, I was going through forums just to see, you know, what some people say. It's, you know, it's basically there. I was reading some stuff where some folks are having a very similar experience where they're just rip. So I wouldn't rip on this game, but there's this one person in particular that is ripping on the game. They're like, oh, it's so it's like grueling, super hard. And then you. You know, this is just not satisfying. The end's not satisfying. And then someone was countering, saying that, you know, they think the game's actually pretty well balanced and it's a lot of fun once you, like, learn it and put all this time in. But I would just be, if I spent all that time perfecting this game, like, yes, I do agree that it would be very rewarding to hit that st- that last, you know, bit and roll the roll the credits or whatever. But, but, but still, like, I would also be a little bitter that, you know, I put days of my life into being, like, so good at X-Men 2 just to have me drop at the fucking start screen again. Because <laughs> that's what it does. It brings you back to a square one. Yeah, it's it's one of those boomer things where it's like, yeah, I played this game every day for three hours and it took me two years to finally beat it and you know what we got all we got was a block of text in the start screen <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> oh man i would be if i would have like gotten really really good at this game and beat it i was i was, I was mad even with invincibility turned on i was like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> and going back to like the first game you know they were doing stuff that was kind of out of the box as far as video games goes when they introduced that concept of resetting the game in the middle of the game in order to progress, which, again, kind of fucking cool, but also didn't work for me because I'm playing it on a Sega Genesis Mini and it doesn't quite translate. So it was uh, a pain in the ass to see the rest of the levels. Um, how does that work Are, do you have to use the reset button or can you switch it on and off uh, I believe you have to tap the reset button at a yeah, specific point because I have a Sega Genesis but the reset button does not work <laughs> so I don't oh, even so be yeah you that. probably would not even see the rest of that game yep yeah it's um yeah it sucks like it's cool but it sucks and I think what they did here also with the game just booting up right away is again something that's a little bit outside of the box but holds up a lot better in our modern time. I'll just say like I was clearly the youngest when I was playing this game so I probably had like for lack of a better term like the most romantic feeling towards it or maybe nostalgic is a better term but just like kind of like swept away in the imagination and the creativity of it um, so I always thought it was really cool that each character had like such uniqueness between them between their special abilities but even like their base attacks and jumps and like the fact that like a few of them can literally crawl on walls like wolverine i always loved how he just stabs a wall 
and moves along. So I always thought that was so cool. And like the different noises and sound effects, like as a little kid playing this game, you could really get swept away and like pretend afterwards. Like um, my buddy Ace, we played it together co-op. We play that together all the time. And uh, the first boss that you is like the computer. I'm not sure if it has a name, but it just goes and it just keeps building up. And we used to make that noise all the time and then giggle afterwards. And like it was just so cool. And then even when you get to that spacey, like you just go right from the giant. What do you call those things? Sentinel factory Mm -hmm. to you're just in space getting shot down by that super annoying guy floating around. So just all the sound effects to me and the gameplay were like a lot bigger and better than the other Sega games I was playing. So like that game, it was easily the coolest one we had. Like Sonic's probably like the best game we had, but like this one was like definitely the coolest, like most creative when it came to gameplay and like the biggest, baddest game we had. That's always kind of how I felt about it. Totally. And even as like, you know, as a kid, I think you're, you make a good point just like talking about how each of the characters, you know, has their different abilities and whatnot. And, you know, as I was playing through this game more recently, that's something that for me, I like gravitate towards Wolverine. I like his gameplay. I always play as kind of a tank when I, you know, that's my preferred way to, to when approach you can games. Rip through the screen. And you yeah, can literally just rip through everything with him, you know, <laughs> and just kind of speed through everything. And he's, he's pretty tough. Uh, but as you progress, there's actually benefits to switching out your characters. So as you finish different levels, it does give you back or brings you back to a character select. And it allows you to choose someone someone different. And, you know, whereas Wolverine is more of a tank, more close combat, you have someone like Cyclops or even, you know, Gambit's kind of balanced because he's got a, you know, he has a staff, which is pretty good, but he can throw his cards. Cyclops can shoot. So you basically have shooters as well. And then you have someone like Nightcrawler who just basically does a teleport bomb thing. Not really Nightcrawler, sure what that's all about. Poof. I hated Nightcrawler. Yeah. <laughs> but the poof was fun. <laughs> it's so much better in the first game. Like, they completely ruined him in this game. That's kind of true. Yeah, he was broken in that first game. Yeah, his teleport's not long enough because, like, the reason you would want him is for you know because it is a platformer. Like, cheesing some of those platform sections, it'd be nice because you can teleport like further. But I do agree that his teleport doesn't go quite as far in this one, so it's not it's not as nice. I'm here to defend Nightcrawler. It was fun. (laughs) (laughs) The sound effects were cool. He could crawl. It was a good time. Crawling's cool, and that's just like he like I think Beast has the ability to hang onto walls. Uh, Nightcrawler and Wolverine can basically, you know, they can crawl on them as well. But like that's that's what I thought was really cool about some of the characters in this game is the you know every single person brings a little something different to it, and each of the levels as you progress, like kind of, they call for certain characters from time to time. And when we were playing co-op, it was nice. To, like Luke ended up picking up Cyclops, and I would do Wolverine. It was nice to have someone that would be, you know, someone play as a shooter and someone be able to rip through. Yeah, Al runs through every level, Dick first. So it's, <laughs> it's great that he's Wolverine because I just preemptively shoot ahead because he's running in front of the screen, and an enemy pops out, and if, yeah, I saved him a few times. But you know, as far as role play goes, I felt like that was pretty. Uh, that's, that was that's pretty, you know, very true fair. to Wolverine and Cyclops. It's very fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's not surprising how much this game has in common with the first one, considering, you know, who worked on it in the first place. Um, yeah, definitely has that similar style to that first game, which borrowed ideas from that first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game on the NES. Like you guys said, I mean, it's very much the level depends on who you pick. And sometimes, like, it's very obvious who you need to be picking. 
and then sometimes not so much. And so the thing that really surprised me was, I, I think, after the third stage, after you fight Magneto, you unlock Magneto. And yeah. I popped off a little bit. I was like, oh, that's fucking cool as hell. I could be the bad guy? Like, hell yeah. His character animation looks awesome, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I read, like, yeah. the meta of this game, or read about the meta of this game, and, like, he's one of the worst characters, I guess. But I mentioned earlier, you have to meet this game on its own level. And I feel like Magneto was just broken. Like, I... His ranged attack, I thought, was really fucking broken. Like, it's great, especially if you're just tapping on the D-pad to move forward a little bit until you can see the enemy. And then he also had, like, a, a secondary power, which, like, he shoots, like, this orb into the middle of the screen, and then it explodes into uh, other projectiles that fly all over the screen and hits everything. And that thing mostly killed all the enemies in one hit. So, um, yeah, I thought he was almost like, like that was a must play character for me because everybody else just didn't feel right except Nightcrawler. Like there's a couple of levels where like, oh yeah, I obviously need to use Nightcrawler here. Um, but for the most part, I was using Magneto. Also, he has that, uh, he can float, he can float around in midair. So it also like during some, a couple boss fights. All you have to do is like press B to jump and press it again. And as he's floating there, like the boss, most of the bosses can't even hit you. And you can just sit (laughs) up in the air and start shooting at people. Like it's, I don't know. I I thought he was incredibly broken. And some of these bosses, if you're using Magneto, are an absolute joke. Yeah, you're not wrong. And it's one of those things, though, that I I tend to forgive just because if you look at the lore of the comics and you look at, like, how Magneto is his character, he's he's a badass, you know? Like, he's... So, like, when you had... But um, but he did, when it comes to the gameplay, though, like, if you're not floating, like, he does kind of suck because his, his range, you know, his attack range is a little closer when you're on the ground. And, like, I... But if you're jumping up in the air, like you described, and floating around, it does make it so that, um, you know, he's, he's fairly unstoppable. It takes a long time to unlock him too. Like, yeah, you have that intro level, then you got the whole Sentinel level, and then that super hard space one. That I just feel like the difficulty really ramps up in that little space level. That boss, I used to be able to beat that boss without cheats, and then you fall down the well, uh, Battletoad style. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> you fall down, the, and I, I could get past that when I was a little older, and then you fight Magneto. So after doing all that, you're like, oh, that was cool. But then like. You don't expect it, and you just see him on your character select. You're just like, what? Yep. And like as a kid, I never played as him because that was a lot for a little kid to get through all that. I could be pretty lucky if I ever got past the space level even. So like later on when I could finally play as him, I was like, oh, my God. So it's just like, and then even to this day, how often do you get to play as like a villain? Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I love about X-Men is X-Men has always, they've never shied away from blurring the lines between good and bad, you know, and like the Magneto is, has a history of, of teaming up with the X-Men for when it suits him. And, you know, here it, it, it suits him to, to try and help them save the, the new race. So. Yeah. Because uh, what was the deal? The story is like he finds out that uh, that this phalanx deal has been um, cloning his his people or whatever. So On his like, asteroid right, or whatever. Stop to this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Full of Holocaust survivors. Uh, no, he's, he's a cool character. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sabretooth, who's just a dick. Yeah, it does make me, it makes me wish that, um, you know, I think it's, I'm like, don't get me wrong, I think it's a great addition, but it also, like, there's a lot of space on that character select screen. They add them yeah. there, so it's like, they, it completes that row, but it's like, oh, man, are we going to get some more folks? Like, are we going to get, you <laughs> That's know? That's exactly what I thought, too, man. I'm like, man, why can't, why, after you beat the game, can't you play as Professor X or something, or, I don't know. Just rolling around in your wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> a different vibe. I don't know. I can't. More like Storm was in the first game, right? Yeah, I think you so. Can, Storm's like a character. I'm kind of surprised. I think she was like um, one of the... Uh, like an ally assist. Yeah, yeah the assist people, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, Gambit. Gambit and Psylocke are kind of edgy choices. I mean, they're very popular in hindsight, but like not necessarily as like popular yeah, as some other Rogue characters. Yeah, there is yeah. pretty surprising. Psylocke, I mean, I can see Gambit. Everybody had a big boner for Gambit back in the 90s. So cool, was, dude. I'm warranted. But so edgy. <laughs> but yeah, no, the fact that, uh, like, I don't know, Mystique's not on there. Granted, she'd be a bad guy, too, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's it's uh, the, the fact that Rogue's not on there, though, that's kind of that's surprising. Or Jean Grey. I guess maybe I don't or know yeah. what run they're pulling this from. Maybe they were... Oh, sure. From specific characters that were big at the I time. I guess that makes sense. The X-Men have such a massive roster, so I don't know. I think in that... That's pretty sick, that though. Iceman. In that first game on the character select screen, they would, like, come up with a little biography every for every character that you would pick. So maybe in development, they were planning on using the rest of that screen for kind of like a little bit of a character bio, but for whatever reason, weren't able to do it. I don't know. Tweet at us, Ed. Right. I know you're listening. Probably not. Now you guys meant you guys mentioned the uh there's some camera issues when you're playing co-op. You want to elaborate on that? Yep. <laughs> you want to go, bud? It's just whoever's like initiating going forward the screen will move with them. I don't know how much better it could have been. It's just kind of clunky. Yeah, well some games will give the the camera lock to like player 1 or something and then that kind of makes it so it's a little less chaotic. So like the fact that this game, like Luke says, it kind of gives preference to whoever's at the edge of the screen. So like, and then you can essentially hit a point where you just can't progress either way because if your characters are on both ends of the screen, it just gets stuck. Um, but there are certain levels, like you know, the one in the um, the factory for the the when you're doing the classic Sentinels. Metroid escape type. Yeah, thing. exactly. Oh so the, the place blowing up, and you you know, if you don't have the path memorized. <laughs> You do have to do a pretty good job of communicating, like, hey, we're going down, we're going up. Well, and those um, little fire poofs that are coming up, they're on a cadence of their own. Right. So, like, trying to run, adjust the camera, not run right into a fireball, it was almost like, I think as a kid, we would strategically die so someone could just get out of there for us. 100%. It was yeah. so much easier <laughs> than trying to both get through alive under the time limit. So, I'd say it's clunky. Um, sometimes you can cheese it in your favor, like if some person got to the platforming section ahead, you'd let the other person fall but like the lead camera would jump so it would just teleport you back up to be with your partner like it could benefit you true but it also could drag you back even though you're the one that made progress so a little bit of a double-edged sword there of jankiness i had problems with it just on the single player because sometimes you'd be walking in how do i explain this you'd be walking in one direction and you know the camera would move ahead of your character just a little bit so they can kind of show you what's coming up. But if you need to drop down a ledge and then start walking the other way, the camera wouldn't follow you right away. It would kind of stay in back of the character as your character is like a little more closer to the other side of the screen, which more often than not got me hit because there was probably an enemy near me that I couldn't see because the camera didn't move. 
So yeah, I had, I had a little bit of issues there. I thought it was a weird decision to have this camera kind of, again, keep, we keep saying camera. It's just the way the screen scrolls is really kind of weird. I guess it's not reliable. <laughs> it's probably just the best way to summarize it. It's not always totally reliable. So when you're trying to squat down for an enemy, like it'll give you the vision drop. And sometimes you're just trying to literally avoid an attack. So it kind of messes up what you're seeing too. Yeah. That was really annoying. Mm-hmm but you can't do it to the right, which is what you actually want to see right. in advance. <laughs> I think we kind of talked about like the very early stages. I feel like everything before like level three and I think even like parts of level three are like really, really good. But after that, I feel like the stages are just way too long. Like there, it's more of a, uh, an obstacle course that you kind of have to get through. And there's a ton of backtracking in all of these levels. Mm. What's that temple level called where it's like after the, there's the, you're like climbing up a temple for the, after the Magneto fight where you can finally be Magneto. And then you face that little boss that's throwing the rocks the whole time. What's the level called after that, where you're inside of what feels like a, with the spike pillars. I should have just led with spike pillars. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the name off the top yeah. of my head. Cause I can say that that's the furthest I got without cheats in my lifetime of playing this game. And when I got to that level, it was, it was like, Oh my God, cool. I've never been this far. And then the spike pillars were immediately so tedious. I was like, that's about as far as I'm ever going to get in this game. Yeah, you really <laughs> have to pay attention to their cadence. Yeah. And it's just intense. And then even with cheats, we got to the swamp level of the savage lands and we just right. got lost and bored and <laughs> weren't trying to figure out what we were supposed to do. So we just quit. Yeah, yeah, we're like, okay, let's go grab a beer. I'm like, I'll watch this shit on YouTube. I'm done with this. I, uh, no, I don't know. Did you get to that part? That part, yeah. Keith, up in the Savage Lands? So I, There's a level that, like, is, is just like, a, it's like a maze, basically. I, I went back and tried to play it. I did play it by myself. I know there's a cheat code that you can pop in to uh, just fast forward to the next level. And I had to do that because I couldn't figure out my way out. Yeah, I think that's much. the one where you have to, like, use Nightcrawler for the most part. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, you have to. Yeah, because I think you have to. I, you're talking about the ones with like the, the pillars that are like spinning around. Tops. Oh, the treetops. Oh, okay. That's the Savage Lands where you're in like the toxic swamp. Oh, is okay. where we were just like um, we somehow just brooded through the the spike pillars because we, we had the invincibility on. By them. <laughs> but like the swamp lands, even with cheats, we we're like, where are we supposed to be? Yeah. <laughs> I um, again, I, I cheesed this entire game so. For me, Good. using Magneto was like the best way to get through the Savage Lands. Yeah, just floating around. Yeah, just floating around, shooting people. Again, his um, secondary power, uh, that basically it's like a spread shot, wipes basically any enemy off the screen, like just one hit. So I'm just impressed you found the path. Yeah. Because we had all the cheats on. We just didn't know where to go and we were tired. Well, that's the thing, too, about this game is that, like, kind of get into the graphics a little bit but like everything kind of looks the same like even when you're talking about that sentinel factory and it's like i had no idea where the fuck i was supposed to go i didn't know there was going to be an escape sequence so like everything looks exactly the same in that stage but then it also doesn't help that the screen is just flashing red and everything's the same color (laughs) like like all right i 
I guess. Yeah, I definitely think this game, it's a beautiful game. Like, graphic-wise, it's a beautiful game. But there's, you're right, the signposting is minimal. Like, you know, where I'm supposed to be going or, like, what direction I've already been in. Uh, at least something to be desired, for sure. I'm pretty frustrated when a game like this isn't just head to the right. I'll yeah. be honest. Sure, yeah. So in the Savage Fair. Lands, they're like, go up and around and low. I'm like, no, dude. Every tree looks the same. I'm lost. <laughs> I know we're, like, sure the design. I know we're complaining a lot. But obviously, Anunciata learned from the first game I, I feel like this is still in my opinion far and away better than anything in that first game but i just feel like overall this game is a little unbalanced when it comes to its enemy placement and how much backtracking that you have to do in just one I mean, it's my favorite sega game and i'm still gonna drag it a little bit <laughs> it's my favorite one then from my childhood and i'm still frustrated by the stupid fucking swamp lands. it's like i said before you know genesis was about hardcore arcade perfect difficulty but as far as like that stuff holding up today like it's not that this game is bad because it's hard i guess i shouldn't even specifically say that this game is bad but like it's just oftentimes it's just too broken in favor of the computer. So it it's kind of a bummer because then you actually don't feel like a superhero in this superhero game. Yeah. Right. You know, but I just love the fact that, um, that each of the characters has their own little flavor, you know, like, so they all, they all bring a little bit something extra. So earlier when I asked you like what specifically they considered this, you know, is it an action platform or platform or a beat em up? Because it's not, I mean, it definitely doesn't enter that beat up world, right? So, like, it's not... You can't just go in there and mash buttons. You really do have to do a little bit more... You have to be a little bit more mindful with your attacks. And I think that's, like, interesting. It plays, you know, plays well into the game. Um, I mean, what other game do you attack both tanks and ninjas in a snowstorm? Right. So, <laughs> and little the little droids level. that look like they're stolen right out of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> so... I also love all the little sound effects for the different guns and everything and the little enemies. There's the goofiest, awesome noises. Like when we were playing just the other week, the nostalgia of just hearing all the, the crunchy music and the different sound effects from each little character. Like they had a different enemy design was actually pretty cool. Totally. Um, a lot of variety for a game of that era. So I thought it was really cool. I mean, for a game that came out at a time where people would just slap like a franchise like you know x-men on something and just call it a day uh like i do think that there is a lot of love put into this game and i think that you know it's it's very it's very you know it lends itself to the x-men flavor i think you know i don't love the way the story's rolled out but it's there and i think it's pretty cool and i think that it it does justice to having that that x-men franchise to it you know i think that it um it makes sense it's not like they just threw x-men on something that didn't doesn't feel like that early 2000s bloat era where they just slap IP on a game and it had to release alongside the movie and those games were always like oh my god Iron Man and then it was just like trash it it definitely wasn't it was an X-Men game which is a very high compliment like I never thought that they mailed it in it was really cool 100% yeah Let's move on. Are you ready? Oh, boy. 
it is. Let's do it. I'm going to keep it simple. I thought to keep it simple for you guys. And this is a game that I would just like to call X-Men Trivia. And the game is simple. Now, do you guys want to work against each other or do you want to work as a team? Yes. I would very much like to go against each other. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right, then. <laughs> All right. Um, so the game is simple. It's not like my other games. There are no trick questions. I never really put trick questions in my in my trivia. There's no lewd rule, 34 references or anything. These are just very simple rules, you guys. And again, most importantly, there's no trick questions. I have 10 X-Men. You said that so many times, I feel like there's a trick <laughs> question coming. That's <laughs> exactly what he wants me to think. Continue. I have 10 X-Men related questions. And you guys have chosen to work against each other. Totally fine. Are you guys ready? Essentially, you guys are just, if you get it right, you get assigned a point. If you get it wrong, you don't get anything. So, um, No trick questions. Yeah, no trick questions. Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. What is Beast's Christian name? What is his real name? Beast. You say that again? Beast's Christian name. No, I know. My audio just crackled. What is Beast's government name? I have no idea. Alberto? Albert? I feel like Albert's were in that range. Oh, that's going to bug me. <laughs> I, can't I knew it either. at one point for sure, but I do <laughs> not right now. No well, idea? Guess we both lose this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the answer is Hank McCoy. Oh, Fuck. Geez. I do know that one. <laughs> This is going great. <laughs> All right. Question two. Who played Beast in the movie X-Men colon The Last Stand? Yeah, I don't know that one either. <laughs> uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> uh, close. Kelsey Grammer. Damn. Oh, right on. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm going to get zero of these. <laughs> I'm starting to realize. Let the record show that Luke is wearing an X-Men yeah. t-shirt, so he does correct. care about them a little it bit. might have said Hank McCoy <laughs> on the t-shirt. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, all right, question three. In 1990, Kelsey Grammer was sentenced to 90 days of house arrest after being arrested for a DUI and what other crime? Jesus. Just have to say possession of controlled substance. <laughs> I don't know. Masturbating in public. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, is that what uh, a tossed salad and scrambled eggs mean uh, in Fraser? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to give Luke like half a point. Hell yeah. It was a weed. Possession of cocaine. <laughs> it was controlled substance. <laughs> yeah. What is he, Tim Allen? <laughs> Number four. Who's the fastest X-Man? X-Man, yeah. Who's the fastest X-Man? Quicksilver. Oh, shit. Quicksilver is my guess. Luke, or Alex. I don't think he raised his hand. <laughs> that was me. Don't I mean, worry. He did speak You first, were thinking so about I, it. I mean, I guess it doesn't even really matter. I'll give it to you, bud. There, <laughs> there, it's debatable. There is another one, and if Alex could pick it up, I mean, oh, you, no, you both can my, get a point. That would be my choice, I'm trying to think of who else it would even be for my own delights, but can I go with Mystique? And then Interesting. He just copies 
Quicksilver. <laughs> you said no trick questions. No trick I'll questions. I'd be furious if that's a... Uh, so, Luke gets the point. Uh, the other one is North Star. Never heard of him. Mm. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of X-Men. Question five. In what year was cocaine made, Ill- made illegal? <laughs> made illegal? <laughs> 1978. 52. Incorrect. 1922. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, Alex. You got to get on the board, man. Are you ready for this one? Yeah. <laughs> I think that this is all Alex right here. Question six. What substance in the 1920s was elevated to medicinal status? Opium. Medicinal status. In the 20s. Yeah, I don't know that one either. I'm going to go with... Let's just go with cocaine again. <laughs> Incorrect. It is alcohol. Uh, mm. It's still anybody's game. Question seven. What X-Men character becomes more powerful the more they drink? It's not the right <laughs> answer, but I like to say Wolverine. <laughs> the more uh, powerful the more they drink. Uh, I'm going to save her tooth. Can I can I ask? Is it like a is it like a main person or is this an obscure X Men? I mean, it's a real X Men. They're pretty. I would think they're obscure, but I don't know shit about X Men. I had to look it up. So Colossus. That's a good guess, actually. Colossus. He's so Soviet. He's probably just crushing vodka. Wait, which one did you say, Alex? What was your guess? I'm gonna go with Sabretooth. Sabretooth. <laughs> Incorrect. It is the Gin Genie, aka government name, <laughs> Becca Parker. Yeah, right that would be an obscure one. <laughs> it's like one of those 1930s X-Men. Right. Came out around uh, Prohibition, probably. Question eight. Famous gin enthusiast, Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> Damn it. Was awarded a bronze star for his contributions in what war? W two. W one. It's the World War One. Alex said two. Oh, you well. said two. I did. did. Alex got it right. World War Two. Hey. Alex on the board. <laughs> oh, That's what I would have guessed, but I'm shaking in his boots now. Yeah. yeah, there's a snake in my boots. <laughs> yeah. What X-Men famously survived the Holocaust and probably killed Hitler? Magneto. Yeah, Professor X and Magneto. Yeah. Oh, was it a joint contribution? Well, the killing Hitler thing would probably be Magneto. That's more of his style. Whereas surviving the Holocaust would be the two of them. Didn't Mystique also? Is she that old too? Uh, that I'm not sure. I think of. she Loki might be just as old. Right, I'm going to give you both a point. Was, yeah. Is it Magneto? So Luke is at two and a half. Alex, you are at two. And question 10. And remember, there's, again, there haven't been any quick trick questions, so I don't know why I would start now. Question 10. <laughs> great lead into a trick question fucking magnets how do they work (laughs) magnetism (laughs) that's the whole question fucking (laughs) magnets how do they work uh polar (laughs) polar stuff Uh, the answer i was looking for was um icp has no idea how magnets work Uh, i don't know that reference probably went over the head of everybody that listens to this show um uh, I'll still give you both. <laughs> sure went over mine. <laughs> ICP had a, a song called, uh, it's called Miracles. And one of the lines 
in that song was fucking magnets. How do they work? And it's there's no answer because it's just magnets are a miracle. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to give you guys Lucas a half point for that one. <laughs> we just die. <laughs> I win. Yeah, I mean, Claire Victor, Alex, you pulled in with three points. Luke, you pulled in with three and a half. Luke, congratulations. You are the X-Men trivia winner. How's it feel? No trick questions on this one either. Shouts out to the Jin Genie. Uh, You know, inspirational character from my past. And present and future. (laughs) Interesting thread between questions. I was always like, we're getting ready for some more X-Men. You're like, Jin, how about it? Let's move on to the graphics. I mean, we kind of touched on this a little bit for the most part, and I think we all agree that this game looks fucking fantastic. And one of the more standout portions of this game for me was the fight with Apocalypse. I also think the fight with Apocalypse is kind of cool. It's very hard, but like the fact that these like little orbs are spinning around the arena and you kind of have to jump over them, do a little bit of platforming and hit the right one is a really cool idea. And really just kind of shows like how competitive the Genesis was with like the Super Nintendo and stuff like that as far as graphics are. Yeah, no, I agree. There's a lot of cool sequences in this. I think, you know, we were mentioning it earlier, but just the, you know, how well they translated the the cartoons and the comics into the, the video game, I think is really cool. I think it's one of the prettier Sega games that I've played. And although we had some gripes about the, uh, you know, not a lot of signposting, I think the level design is, you know, it definitely looks cool. It may not function the way we want it to, but it looks super cool. A lot of ambition. There was never really, other than like that temple, I felt like, although it was kind of cool, it was probably the driest as far as the design. But you start off in a blizzard, like we said, all that moving snow. Mm-hmm. It's actually like really cool if you stop to think about it. And then the Sentinel factory, I always thought it was so cool how you saw that in the background as you're working your way up. It just felt really cool. And then uh, the space level, just all of a sudden you're in fucking space with space noises and space aesthetics. And then you're in like some like Amazonian or maybe even like more central Mexico ass, like Aztec temple shit somewhere in there. So they run the gambit, pun intended. As far as bringing you all around the place. Yeah, they do a good job of this time in gaming. A lot of games, you know, fall into uh, a little bit of a problem where it's like you can go through stages and maybe they look a little too much alike. And I think that in this game in particular, as you as you progress through and you go to the different stages of the story, like they do a really good job of like hitting when you're in the Savage Lands, you feel like you're in the Savage Lands. And then when you're like in, you know, the space, like on the spaceship deal, like you definitely are in a new place. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. One of the cooler levels I think has like probably some of the most like vivid colors was the it's towards the end of the game where I think you're in the the mothership. And like there's all these like bright purples and greens and stuff. And then like the parallax scrolling completely on point in that stage. It's so fucking cool looking. Uh, Yeah, this is. It's like a comic book come to life. I mean, this this is like what I would like back in the day. I'm like, oh, man, this looks just like the cartoon or something, you know. 
even just the subtle animations on the characters, like watching them breathe or whatever, like slightly move up and down like their arms and stuff. Uh, really good stuff all around. I mean, this is um, probably one of the best looking Genesis games that I've played aside from, again, some of the stages kind of looking Busby. a little samey. <laughs> what was that? It's like the second best right next to Busby as far as <laughs> Busby, aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> Are people going to understand that reference? If they're listening to a Sega pod, I would hope so. <laughs> and again, we talked about the music a little bit here. And our, our friend, the, what was his name? The Sega, Sega Genesis fan gave the music and sound effects here a five out of five. And I agree. Okay. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I, agree. King. <laughs> I just love all the beeps and the boops and the, the goofy ass, like space gun noises. And the, it just, everything had a like they spent a lot of time making some really obscure noises and i just that's it's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah no i think it's i don't know if I, i'm not gonna give it a five i'll give it a four like i think when you're playing the game like it's um i think in the gameplay and everything it's great some of those computer cerebro screens like it's super crunchy and abrasive <laughs> yeah <laughs> it sounds a little bit like the old school modem boot up yep. yeah, so, you're, uh, so you know there's God a second for that. all the parents that were like maybe just listening from afar and not playing <laughs> because oh man there's a i would be less forgiving to the to the music if i was like i wouldn't listen to this ost by itself put it that way <laughs> like, so like <laughs> my thing is i i'm gonna sound a lot harsher on it because I didn't even realize there was music in this game. <laughs> like aside from the cerebro parts where I was like, I don't even want to listen to yeah. this during the stages. I'm like, sure. all the sound effects like were so much louder than the actual music that I hardly even noticed. I'd say the sound effects are pretty good. If you're thinking specifically of being a comic mm. book reader too, because yeah. like, you know, blam, sure. blow, that stupid dumb shit that you see. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like they had an almost cartoony effect to like the gunshots and like, you know, like I said earlier, the oy, 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 oy guy was always <laughs> just geeked me out as a kid and the electrocuting noises. Cause Alex constantly steps on those things <laughs> when you have to break the computers to get the electrical current to open yep. the doors. Like just all those noises are so fun to me. I just always had a good time with it. Yeah, the uh, sound effects are so much better in this game than the first one. Although I think they are just a little bit too loud. Uh, yeah, they're utilized so much better <laughs> that that first game. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. I hope you like explosions because you're going to hear a lot of explosions in this game. Yeah. So. <laughs> there are a lot of explosions. That's fair. In hindsight, there are a lot of explosions. <laughs> yeah, but aside from like me just like not realizing that this had an actual soundtrack, I think it's better than the first game, so I'll give it that. You know, I don't know if I would give it five out of five stars. I, I would probably even go lower than Luke or lower than Alex, and maybe give it a three, maybe a three and a half. It's still fairly fairly generous. I will say it slaps pretty hard after that drop into the the first level, and then you do get the t the titular oh yeah theme. yeah yeah pretty cool. Of course, you got to have the theme song in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't have like an iconic score, kind of like something like Sonic sure. would or Busby, but <laughs> it's <laughs> it's what's the word? You know, Bubsy is a mutant, right? What's the uh, <laughs> what's the word podcasters love to use these days when talking about music? It's not ambient. Uh, di diegetic? 
is that the correct word? I don't know. Where I just say vibes because yeah, I can't think of anything better. Yeah, this, <laughs> that's what this podcast. This, is about. uh, yeah, there's a certain vibe to the soundtrack here that suits the stages, but I overall didn't think it was that noticeable. I would not be looking up YouTube lo-fi stations based on these. <laughs> I guess there's that. Yeah. yeah, whereas whereas I was saying, like, from level to level, I think there's enough, like, change visually. Like, I don't think there's enough change. Like, there's audibly, I didn't notice enough change in the music to be like, you know, oh, the Savage Land's got its Savage Land's track playing. That's down. not, like, it's chemical... I think it's I not chemical plant jungle. zone where you're like, yeah, this is the fucking bop right here, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> or into the carnival where you're like, right. whoa! <laughs> Let's finish the show off here. All we have left to do is to summarize our thoughts about what we just talked about. And if we would recommend playing X-Men 2 colon The Clone Wars in 2023. And mm, I kind of don't know which way to go with this for me personally. So I'm going to start off with you guys, whoever wants to take it first. I love it. I'll forever love it. Uh, I think it's a it's a great couch co op game in an era of which they are uh, damn near extinct. Um, so as far as you know, how do you recommend really old games to someone? It's like, well, if you're just kind of hanging around and you got the little mini Sega like you have, or what is it that you play on where you have your little emulator Sega thing? What is that? It's a Mega SG. My yeah, so that's super fun. So you know, if my boys are playing video games and they're a little bit older, I'll you know, I think the the colors and the graphics and the the music and then sound effects, they're kind of fun and unique enough where I think that they would even uh, enjoy that. And I don't think anyone would ever get particularly far. Like I, this is not something I'd recommend to someone to beat it, but just like a little afternoon experience hanging out, doing the good old classic couch co-op. I'm sure that it's never been ported to anything ever because it's a licensing thing. Yeah, my guess too. And I can't imagine it ever will be, but when you said that, it actually kind of bummed me out because I was like... I think it would be a cool game. Like if it just showed up on Game Pass one day, that'd be or sick. Nintendo or NSO, so, their, their Genesis portion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think it would be, it'd be really cool. So to make that shorter, I think that it's forever my favorite Sega game. And I would totally just a little afternoon of people just trying a couch co-op. I think it's a fun, even, even with its bits that are harder to hang with. I think that you just turn it off at that point. <laughs> totally. Yeah, no, I would I would recommend it as well. Like I think, you know, we've been talking about it quite a bit and this like I do think it's a very pretty Sega game. Like I think it's it's fun. It is difficult, so like it's it is a bit of a gamer's you know, a gamer's game, but if you're into action platformers, like it's definitely worth playing. Um it's one of the better ones on the Sega, I think. <clears throat> and you know, they, they have, you know, I have a I have a game genie, so I was able to like cheese it a little bit with that. But they also have some, you know, some solid, you know, input codes that you can do with the start screen. So it's like one of those deals where, you know, if you aren't maybe ready to to grind and really become so good at this game, you make it all the way through, like there's some pretty approachable cheats to put in. Like even the you know, and even sometimes like, you know, cheats can be a real pain in the ass for the inputs and the inputs aren't even that bad for the for the cheats. So 
you can definitely have some fun if you want to, you know, if you want to put in the time and put in the effort to become good at it. If you want to get good, sure, do you. But if you just want to, you know, a good little time, like look up the cheats and play. I think it's a fun game to play through. And even though I didn't get a, a beautiful like end screen or a little cutscene, like I was still happy to have kind of, you know, hit all the levels and, and seen it all the way through, especially because we're so nostalgic for this game. Um, it's cool to, to kind of finally see it in its completion, even if it's with an asterisk. I think you guys have convinced me a little to end a little more positive than I thought I was going to actually, you know, what you said, uh, what you said, Alex, I mean, it's a good way to put it is that this is a gamer's game. And I think, yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot of people talk about NES hard games and it's true. A lot of those games are very fucking hard and have a reputation that they deserve, you know, like uh, Ghosts and Goblins or Contra and stuff like that. And the past couple of episodes, I've been playing some very hard fucking games for the Sega Genesis, and nobody really talks about them. They don't talk about them like they talk about the NES hard games, and there's some Sega Genesis hard games, and this is one of them. Um, And because of that, like, comparing it to stuff like Ghosts and Goblins, which you know, I don't think I recommended Ghosts and Goblins just because it is so old and doesn't feel as right to play. Like the movement and the mechanics are just like a little bit off because of how old that game is. This game has a little has some little hitches to it. Like, you know, like we talked about, like the camera movement and stuff like that. Some of the platforming's not perfect, uh, but it's good enough. And all of the issues that I had with the first game are mostly reconciled here, but there is like, you can't ignore that incredibly, incredibly steep difficulty curve after like that third level. It's, um, it really takes over your agency at that point. Um, a better player than me would probably get through this game easily. I probably would have had a lot more fun playing it on a personal level if I didn't have to cheese it. I mean, yeah, Magneto does make the game a little more fun, but towards the end of it, like as I got I got to that last stage, and of course I'm using save states. This is no other way I probably would have gotten as far as I did without playing it with somebody else. Uh even as I got to that last stage, like there's no fucking way I was beating that last stage by myself. It was just way too fucking hard. It's just a very Sega Genesis hard game. And I I think I would give it like the lightest of light recommends. If you just want to, again, sit down, get through a couple levels and really kind of gel with it. But like I said, at the top of the show, you really have to come down to the level that the game wants you to come down to and just kind of cheese it, which kind of sucks. You know, it kind of sucks when you have to do that with a game, but it did such a good job of capturing the like X-Men aesthetic. And just, yeah, yeah. So, like, that really makes a big difference, like, to repeat. Like, if this was non-branded, like, just total brand new IP, I think it'd still be pretty cool. But I wouldn't even be as excited to tell somebody uh, to play it or for have them to play it. Yeah. The X-Men of it all is is a big draw. Yeah. <clears throat> I definitely think that they, they took that X-Men IP and really integrated it well into the game. Because um, you're 100% correct. If this was, like some random deal i don't think i'd care as much about it but they uh they did a good job incorporating that all that's left to do gentlemen is once again thank you for joining me today talking about this game i really appreciate it 
you guys have your own little podcast on the internet, like right across the street over there from mine, called again, Low Five Gaming. And basically the floor is yours. Let everybody know uh, what you guys do on your show and where they can find you. Yeah, so we, uh, like you said, Keith, Low Five Gaming. Uh, you can find us at lowfivegaming.com. I'll link you to all our socials and everything, but we're a monthly. Uh, Luke and I go back and forth picking a game that we try and beat every month and approach it uh, as a backlog book club-esque uh, podcast. And we invite folks to, you know, we always announce the game we're playing. We invite folks to, to join us in that, either on Discord or the socials, whatever, but uh, give folks a chance to, to play whatever game we're going to be talking about every month. Uh, so they can, you know, yeah, tune in. <laughs> Next month is Donkey Kong Country. Yep. Uh, so we're not always retro. The following month will probably be Starfield if it works upon release, uh, which is always spicy these days. So this this comes and, out uh, this you know, comes out the end of September. So technically, Donkey Kong Country will have come out, right? And it was awesome. You did a great job. <laughs> and you should go check it out. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, it, it was loads of fun. Uh, very contentious debate in there a few times. Um, <laughs> hopefully Starfield works at this point in the future. But yeah, we, we pick a new, uh, a new game each month. It's very much book club style. So we appreciate if you like to play along uh, and chat in the Discord, drop little videos, things that you're doing. Uh, and then we plugged it earlier, but we got that top 10. So if you want to see where our gaming history truly stands... Uh, we're probably got to edit that because I'm already mad at my own top ten. So <laughs> some future, some future uh, seeds being planted there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, thanks for having us on, Keith. It's been a lot of fun. A lot of fun to talk about this game, and quite the honor to be on the main quest. Uh, love listening to what you got going on, and it's uh, it's been cool. Yeah. Uh, and Tetris sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Roll the music. No, yeah, I really appreciate you guys <laughs> taking time to come on. And yeah, for sure, if you guys like listening to my show you guys are definitely going to enjoy what alex and luke got got going over on low five gaming very good banter very in-depth breakdowns of the games that they played just overall very very good time as luke said vibes it's all vibes so (laughs) tis all vibes (laughs) you're too kind thanks again man and well you guys all know where to find me all that stuff i said at the top of the show Links for everything is going to be in the show notes, so you can check everything out there. As for the show next week, I'm heading into, man, is it really my fourth annual Ghoulcade already? That's fucking crazy. And I'm kicking it off with a game that I haven't really particularly played up until I had to play it for the show. Because all of the Ghoulcade this year are going to be completely new games because I can't spin my Sega Genesis library. (laughs) I can't put a spin on my Sega Genesis library with what I have left to make them seem quote unquote scary or anything like that. So (laughs) it's just kind of going to be a grab bag of horror games this year. So uh, we're starting it off with Nightmare Creatures with a returning guest, Phil from Deleted Saves. So until then... Everybody take care of yourselves and always remember, it's okay to like a video game.
just a bummer. He said bad words on the Main Quest podcast. <laughs>